You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're talking about podcasts. We're talking about itty bitty podcasts. A podcast. Merry mini Mondays. It's good to have that back. I'm Carter. Oh, it feels good. I'm Doge. And I'm Jordan. Guys, we gotta dive. We can't we can't think too much on the the talking about podcast jingle being back because we gotta dive straight into DC fandom. Oh man, we do. Do we talk about the DC fan dome? Why do they call say, it fan dome? <clears throat> I don't know. Is was did you get to do the little virtual reality version of like going in there to the VC? Mm-hmm. Did you actually attend the I DC fan dome? I no. didn't. I didn't either. And overall, critically, I'm hearing it was relatively impressive for trying yeah. to pull off a Comic Con level type thing. Uh, and so overall, I I left hearing of things from the DC fandom. I will say it's tough to measure how I feel about DC movies. Same. But I feel better than I have before. Same. Same. I feel better than I have before. And there's a few things that I want to talk about. Little things first. Um, We are getting a glimpse at, and I know that you guys aren't the biggest Wonder Woman fans. I enjoyed the movie. Um, And I'm going to see this next movie. It's probably not a theater thing because I don't know what theaters are. I'm not totally sure what they look like. Um, but we do get a, a glimpse of Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. And before yeah. we go into like what that looks like, um, I think it it is interesting to me how often supervillains are played by comedians in just superhero totally. movies at all. Uh, I, yeah. I think back to uh, Jim Carrey, who's such a comedic actor and being the Riddler. And again, those are <laughs> those are out on their own island in terms of uh, superhero movies. But I just think that's fun. And I really like Kristen Wiig. We've had we've had her on the show before. We've had her for a couple of movies. <laughs> uh, how do y'all feel about her as being cast for a villain role? Do you think she could pull off a villain role? So can I, can I tell you why I think comedians work well as villains? And I think that will explain sort of my thoughts on Kristen Wiig. Um, 
I guess I'll start. I'll, I'll just start with I don't. I don't know that Kristen Wiig could be wrong for any cast at this point, in my opinion. But I think so. Comedy is all about timing, and a lot of times it's about almost like the balance between chemistry and anti-chemistry, like the balance between how well you vibe with somebody and how well you can be opposed to somebody, like make somebody the butt of a joke or whatever. Um, yeah. Even if it's not malicious, like it's directing that chemistry kind of any direction you want it to go. And I think that's why comedians can, can make really great villains is because I think Kristen Wiig is able to go in and not only be sympathetic when and if she needs to, but I think she's able to uh, use that same skill set of comedic timing and like turning a moment around on somebody for a joke to turn it around and be menacing and to use that yeah. timing to be just absolutely devastating, whether it's verbally or um, non-verbally, I think that she can probably pull that off. So my answer, even though we've you know established, I'm not a huge fan of what DC's doing in their movies right now. Um, yeah. And I thought Wonder Woman was just kind of okay. I think Kristen Wiig will probably crush it as this villain, if I had yeah, to guess. I think she'll I, do well. I think I probably have a far more cynical opinion, which will come as no great surprise to anybody who's listened to more than just this episode of our podcast. <laughs> but, like, I'm trying to think, have there been supervillains played by comedians that are that are threatening? Because I think that, to me, when you're making a family superhero movie, a, a popcorny blockbuster PG-13 bloodless superhero movie, your options are like a threatening villain uh, or, uh, and you know, if we're thinking threatening villain, I would consider like, let's talk like somebody like Robert Redford or maybe uh, Sebastian Stan in The Winter Soldier. Right. That kind of like, this is a threat to our hero. Mm -hmm. uh, even Willem Dafoe in the first Spider-Man where it's like, this is not a joke character. Or you have Jim Carrey's Riddler, where it's like, this is a goofy, bumbling, uh, think uh, Sam Rockwell in Iron Man 2, right? Yeah. This kind of like bumbling guy that we're like, oh my gosh, what an inconvenience for our hero rather than a threat to our hero. Yeah. Has there been, and it, it seems to me that the inconvenience versus the threat line is also the line of demarcation between played by a comedian versus played by uh, somebody who traditionally doesn't do comedy. Yeah, And maybe that's, and I haven't thought about that outside of just right now. So if that's something we need to revisit later, maybe no, once I think we it's, see Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation because Jim Carrey's, you're right, Jim Carrey's character didn't feel super threatening. That's a good point. Like there was a, there's a part of like lunacy yeah. for him and just how, how he acts and the roles that he had played. I think there's something to be said about, I think maybe some of the best portrayals of supervillains have been somebody who very clearly has a sense of humor. <clears throat> yeah. And that kind of shines through. So Heath Ledger's Joker, Tom Hiddleston, or uh uh no no no. Yes. Am I yeah, saying that Loki. right? Yeah. Yeah, Loki. Yeah. I get him in Holland. I always get like worried, anxious that I said the wrong one. Um, yeah, so maybe comedian is the wrong take. Maybe it is just a villain with a sense of humor, like feels scarier. Yeah. Like Jack Nicholson was terrifying. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But he's also playing someone who's supposed is, to be funny. It's and he's also done like The Shining and stuff like that. Like he's not yeah. like his credits weren't like bridesmaids. And I mean, she, Kristen Wiig's been in The Martian, which she didn't play a comedy role in that. But right. I'm just I'm really interested to see how it's going to go, because for my money, we've taken the kind of sitcom comedy star and we really pioneered that with Chris Pratt and Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of casting that jokey person who's known for their jokes as the lead in a big budget superhero movie. Right. Yeah. And I don't 
I don't get the sense that we've really done that. And and please correct me if I'm wrong. I just can't think of us doing that on the villain side, on the other side of that scale before Kristen Wiig. Yeah. So it's cool. Maybe she's a little bit more of a, a pioneer in this opportunity yeah. than than we thought, which is Chito, kind of Chito exciting. looks great. I'm super happy. The effects look <clears throat> awesome and the, the character design is really faithful, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things about new super, superhero movies coming out is it's it's a mix of just me being interested in wanting to research more about comic book characters and then also movies. Like so that combined has me going back and be like, oh, this is the third iteration of Cheetah that we've seen in the comic books, right? Because people get reinvented uh, all of the time. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of reinvented, so we, we're getting that seems to be the theme of DC fandom right now, or DC yeah. in general, DC movies. So the first uh, kind of rework is something that was uh, honestly probably a, a, maybe not a majority result of a Twitter, <laughs> but because of uh, James Gunn's Twitter account uh, and everything that happened there, uh, he gets booted from. Uh, going back through the history, right? He gets booted from uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Guardians 3, uh, yeah. Guardians 3, and then picks up Suicide Squad uh, in, in kind of a return and trying again. Suicide Squad, is does that qualify as a squad? There's a lot of people. If there's 20 or so, I guess, is it still a squad? Suicide I need team. To look. <laughs> Suicide Battalion, Suicide Brigade. Brigade. Um, there's brigade, a lot of like. people in this movie, and I honestly... The trailer did get me some kind of excited, but boy, the taste of Suicide Squad in my mouth uh, is really bad. And I wonder how well that that movie is going to do. But with the additions of like Flula, yeah, like Flula, Flula is the javelin. He's a character yep. in there. Oh, we've so got good. John Cena. Uh, we've got um, our guy, uh, Jordan, that Denis Villeneuve uses a lot. He was in... Oh, uh, Dumb. Dalmastian or whatever his name is. That's Dalmastian. Yeah, the something. guy who's playing the yeah. polka dot man or whatever. So yeah. I... I I love off the wall, offbeat kind of characters in superhero movies. And Suicide Squad is that. It's just full of that. We do yeah. bring back Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn because she kind of, if if anything has come from Suicide Squad, it's that she does look exactly like and does a great job of she being. Does yeah, I think she does Quinn. good. Yeah. I, I, uh, I feel like for me, so I, I like the Suicide Squad as a concept when it's utilized and done well. Um, I, I am, I'm still, I think a little bit in shock at, for me, how big of a swing and absolute miss the first Suicide Squad movie was just, I mean, really yeah. just, all, I mean, all like podcast love what you love aside, like that is a bad movie, like a really bad movie. And the fact that that made it through like test audiences and people that had the power to veto bad ideas and that somehow made this it This is through. the part where we have to say that it won an Oscar. I know. <laughs> the Oscar-winning movie, <laughs> Suicide Squad. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was honestly so terrible. And so to me, it's like they are either grossly confident that this is going to crush and that's how they're willing to take this chance or they are so tone deaf that they don't understand how dumb this is. And the Suicide Squad is going to turn into DC's X-Men universe. Yeah, I'm just interested because it, the first Suicide Squad was pretty clearly a, well, we can make Guardians of the Galaxy Correct. too. And it was so bad. Also, we can make Guardians of the Galaxy also. Uh, and then they and literally hire like, the director. Right. That's the weird thing is like, what yeah. are, like, is this, are we basically just saying, no, this is what we meant to do? Or I is also, this in the same continuity as the first Suicide Squad? Yeah. This is called The Suicide Squad, and the other one was just called Suicide Squad. So I think it's just right. 
all around like marketing, this is going to be such an uphill battle for DC to convince people, A, that it's different from what they've already seen, yeah. and B, to care about it, even if it is different. Well, it feels like they saw a window, right? The MCU just finished its massive overall arc, but basically second arc in the Avengers universe. And so there's this little lull, right? Like Black Widow was still projected to make like a billion dollars when it came out, but it feels like they're like, oh, we have to, if we're going to do anything, (laughs) we need to press hard here. Um, And something else that they're doing that obviously I'm excited about, I'm sure there's a level of excitement just because it's the Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, but we get, the tease was a letdown. Because it feels like something that someone could have created on their own of what he's probably going to look like as Black Adam. We don't have actual footage or anything like that. We do have a tease that it's going to essentially be like what Marvel is doing for, is it the Immortals? Like it's like the heroes before heroes. Right. Yeah, probably. It's kind of what the vibe is with the Kamal Nanjiani film that's coming out uh, is what the vibe is for Black Adam and what his crew is. It's like the heroes before we had... Um, the Justice League, even though there is like Hawkman is in there. And then we've got some more unrecognizable heroes. But how do y'all feel about The Rock joining the DC universe? He's been teasing this for years. Feels like years. a decade. Five at this years, point. right? Yeah. I'm I'm just, you know. I am so burnt on DC that if it is, I mean, I'm just being completely honest. There were three total things from DC fandom that got me excited. Three. And two of are two, two of them, of video, them games? Are video games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same. It is basically it is basically the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League video game, which is only like I would call it a four out of ten excitement for me. I didn't make it through that teaser. I loved the Arkham games and couldn't make it through that teaser. The teaser the teaser feels like it might be tonally too similar to the terrible movie. Um, but yep. I'm, I'm willing to give it a little space to breathe and see what happens because it is made by Rocksteady, who has not let me down yet. Uh, I was excited for the uh, Gotham Knights game made by uh, WB Montreal. I think that looks pretty interesting. Yeah, it's like post-Batman being Anything dead. with mm-hmm. Court of Owls in it is going to get me hyped right up, so that's no problem there. Have you seen the the screenshot from the, the Batman teaser that looks like it's got a member of the court in no, it? No, that would make me very, very happy, though. I would love that. That ties into... I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but I'm going to go ahead and bust down that wall. Can we talk about the Batman Yeah, that's teaser? the last one that uh-huh. I'm excited for. Yeah. That's why I save it. So I think... But doesn't... Hold up. What, real quick. Doesn't that... Does it... It feels like it takes a step outside of the DC it universe. Does. That's yeah, why I'm sure, willing... Because it's not, it's not connected yeah. to the bad stuff. Yep. Okay, that's why I'm willing to get excited about it. Um, yeah. I th- so I've seen a lot of... I've seen a lot of really valid criticism recently of um, Batman as a character, like, in this time. Like like making a movie about a dude whose main superpower is violating constitutional rights is a little and being being a one percenter right it's it's a little tough yeah um my hope is that they take so in the new 52 run of batman a lot of what he was doing was as bruce trying to improve the city through his money and really just kind of basically giving it away at every turn which i appreciated yeah i mean don't get me wrong he still had crazy tech but a lot of new 52 focused in less on batman like beating uh, Batman has a, a pretty bad history with Arkham Asylum as a location being like Batman is the dude that beats up people that are having like some mental some episodes. Yeah. S- some pretty serious mental episodes. Yeah. In the new 52, they really focused Batman more on big picture villains, um, which made him feel less. He was less oppressive and more a symbol of hope to the city. 
Um, kind kind of <clears throat> like the uh, the grander storylines of Nolan's Batman that less involve beating up the street thugs in a in an alley and yeah. more involve keeping people safe. If this right. movie is really about Batman having the people of Gotham's trust and not having the trust of the police because they don't know who he is yet, and he has to operate in a way to save the city from this crazy dude that's basically a terrorist. I think if that is our groundwork, I think Battenson has it made. And I think that I'm he's going very to crush it. about that. Yeah. Yeah. I would recommend if you're listening to this and wondering, man, I would love to read some Batman comics before I see this movie. The two that I would recommend are Batman Year One, which is a graphic novel collection uh, of, of basically it tells the story of Batman, Bruce's first year as Batman and his relationship with the GCPD, which is going to be explored in depth in an HBO Max show. There's the tie-in show, a, a police procedural about the GCPD focused on an unnamed detective who, for my money, might be Jim Gordon or might be somebody else. I hope it's Jim uh, because I hope it takes the year one approach of taking down corruption in the police department, which would be timely. That's what it's about. It's about corruption in the police department, which makes me think <laughs> the court could be a big part of that. The Court of Owls oh, could be a big part of that. That make me so um, happy. But that's going to tie in directly to this Batman movie, which takes place in year two of Batman's career. Yeah. Uh, there are two more recommendations I'd give you. They're both from the, the New 52 imprint uh, that started in 2011, ran from 2011 to 2016, I believe. Uh, the first is a graphic novel collection called uh, The Court of Owls. And basically, this is a story of, of uh, Batman exposing latent corruption in Gotham, which I have a feeling is going to be a big uh, a big theme in this movie. And then the fourth one or the third one that I would recommend death of, uh, death is of called the Batman. No, I was going to say Batman zero. Oh year. yeah. Zero year. Cause it's a good. really, really great Riddler story where the, and it's, it's wild. It's very comic booky. It's this whole premise that, Hey, five years ago, Gotham was this post-apocalyptic wasteland. Uh, everything was overgrown. The infrastructure was falling apart because the Riddler has taken over basically. And so Batman has to, solve his way to the Riddler to save It involves Gotham. a so gladiator battle in a literal coliseum against a lion. So it's wonderful. If you it's can wonderful. Get past Batman has a gloves. sleeveless bat suit and a motorcycle. Well, the sleeveless gloves are an yeah. homage to the first issue of I Batman, know, but which I love. It's uh, goofy looking. But anyway, so yeah, check out Batman Year One, Batman Court of Owls, and Batman Zero Year. Uh, yeah. Do your homework before you see Batman by Robert Pattinson. Yeah. And as we... Uh, have seen this trailer and continue to watch it over and over again. I am such a fan of when characters and big name actors are unrecognizable, um, meaning they are giving it, giving up <laughs> the moneymaker and, and going in and trying There's to make a character. Here. There's two here. Paul, Paul Dano, one who looks like it's, I think the Riddler's the one with duct tape on his right. face and shades, which is uh, shades of HG Wells, invisible yeah. man. I think more than that, it's it's Hush. So if you've if oh, you've yeah, read yeah. Hush, you know you know that Hush is a character uh, who is different than the Riddler. But if you you've think seen that's Hush? the Batman, if you've seen the Batman Hush, if the animated, uh, if you've watched the animated movie, then you'll know that they made some pretty significant changes to who Hush is, and it works really well in the context of the story. So maybe that's yeah. my other recommendation: is watch that animated movie. <clears throat> Yeah, for sure. And then we also have, we got a glimpse of Colin Farrell. Oh my gosh. Uh, as the penguin. Uh, Unrecognizable. Which, which is honestly, the more I think about the kind of characters that have been my favorite that are Colin Farrell, 
this makes sense. I think I think he's going to do a good job here. We get just really silhouettes, it feels like, of Zoe Kravitz uh, as Selena Kyle, which is a dead-on oh, casting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then obviously uh, plenty of Pattinson. And we have, oh, please help me remember, Jeffrey Wright yeah. um, as uh, Gordon. And then we just get to hear Andy Serkis's uh, Alfred, I think, at some point. But it's yeah. it's a great cast. Robert Pattinson uh, has potential to uh, do some rewriting in terms of what people think about him with a lot of movies that are coming out. Quick question for y'all. Uh, if you were to pick one movie, one one big Robert Pattinson movie that's coming out, uh, and in this scenario, you never get to see the other, what would you do between Tenet and The Batman? I'd pick The Batman. Yeah. Same. Is that a no-brainer for you too, Jordan? No. If it's Ooh. If it's just about... Watching our Pat perform, it's the Batman for me. But yeah. I have been burned too many times by DC to pick a DC movie and never get to see a new Nolan. So I mm. think I would probably go Tenet. Okay. Gotcha. Got, Before I've we got so much faith in Matt Reeves. Though. I have faith in Matt Reeves yeah, too, I was gonna but say, it's DC. The great thing about uh, this trailer too is that there's a lot of, of talk about how, and again, any Batman trailer should be dark. Uh, but this one feels like you're ready. You're ready to see the red band trailer, right? You know, it's, yeah. it is, it is dark <laughs> yeah. and incredibly gritty. Um, but boy, does that play to the strengths of that director, Matt Reeves, best known for the, uh, Planet of the Apes series, uh, Cloverfield, let me in. He's done horror and he's mm. done, uh, realistic kind of gritty really well. And he feels like he was kind of made for his Planet of the Apes uh, movie approaching this rule. I've, I say that to anybody who will listen. They are so much better than they have any right to be. Yeah, so good. So this is actually Andy Serkis has worked with him before, right? Mm. Um, and so we've got Andy Serkis like again. Time. But in talking about in t- talking about Tenet, we're doing something way earlier than I thought we would. But let's check in a little bit on box office ball. Box office ball. So with the international release of Tenet, that movie is making money in the box office. So anyone who had somebody who is in Tenet is going to make some money. I had uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Did anybody, What did who did y'all have that might have been in Tenet? See, you sprung this on me and I, I forgot who was on That's my fine. team. It's been a long time. Uh, it has made uh, $718,000. That is weird. That, that is, is weird because low. <laughs> that is so low. Uh, a normal release uh, for a movie like this like Tenet, would it be in the tens of millions by now? Maybe even a hundred. But it has made $718,000. Hasn't even made a million dollars yet in that international release. And that's not just because uh, it's not in America yet. That's because people don't want to go outside. So uh, that means Box Office Ball is uh, not in the books, but it's starting to write itself for season three, meaning that it will exist and that somebody <laughs> will win. In seeing that Tenet made $718,000 so far, I'm starting to think that the millions of dollars y'all can win in mini Monday games uh, could could win box office ball. That's true. Um, but we'll see. I do have something very quickly that I want to do, and it might be something that begins to reoccur. Uh, but as we start to dive into new series on this podcast, I would love to do some form. It's, it's almost kind of a Ranky Very Much. Ranky Very Much wears several hats. But uh, I want to take all the movies in the series that we're about to do, and I want y'all to rank them for me, and I'll make a game out of this, as to their Rotten Tomatoes score. Does that make Ooh, sense? Ooh, yeah. 
So it'll be uh, from one to five or five to one, however y'all want to do that. I'm going to give you three shots. So it's five movies and I need you to rank them from which one do you think is the highest Rotten Tomatoes score down to which one do you think is the lowest. After you lock it in, I'll give you a bong bong if you're wrong. Uh, but if you're wrong, I'll also give you how many you got right, but I won't tell you which ones. So then you decide from there what to switch around. Does this yep. make sense? I like this. Yep. There's no name for this game right now, but maybe we can come up with it as we go. So our movies that we do have for this series, and I'm doing them in order of their release date, is Clue, which we'll be talking about tomorrow. We'll have Gone Girl the next week. Then we'll have The Fugitive. And then we'll have Zodiac. And then Knives Out. I'm really excited for this series, It's going to be super fun. I'm, I'm not including our Patreon episode because it's not worth being here. And it's an obviously the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score. But Scoob is our Patreon episode during this series and during the month of September. But let's let's get this going and have you guys talk about it. What do you think is the Rotten Tomatoes rank? And y'all can start either way that you want. Uh, what do you think is the Rotten Tomatoes rank for there these There are two movies? I'm confident about. I think Gone Girl is the Gone highest. Gone Girl's definitely number one. I would bet money. Uh, Clue is, I think, the last. Clue's the last. So here's what I think. I think it goes Gone Girl, Zodiac, Knives Out. Fugitive Clue. Uh, Fugitive Clue. I think the only th- thing that could potentially be off is Zodiac and Knives Out, but I think you're probably right. I think I, so. I think, I think I, Fugitive and Clue are the are the bottom two. I agree. And I think I think you're right. I'm uh, saying if we get any wrong, I think those two might be switched. But I don't. I yeah, think yeah. I agree with you. So, give me your uh, definitive rank right now, and then and give me a lock in when you're ready okay, to from, hear if you got that from right. From top yet. to bottom is Gone Girl, Zodiac, Knives Out, The Fugitive, Clue. Yeah, lock, lock it, in. it in. So it's a bong bong. Do you want to know how many you got right or how many you yeah. got wrong? What feels better? Wrong. How many you got wrong? Uh, four. Whoa. <laughs> oh, no. Only one of these movies was correct. It's got to be Clue. So here is it's, your second shot. It's going to be Clue. So let's keep Clue on the bottom. So Zodiac or Knives Out higher than Gone Girl. What do you think? I don't feel like Knives Out. I feel like Knives Out is fantastic. I don't know that I feel like it would be. I don't think it's. So top. I bet it's Zodiac, Gone Zodiac, Girl, Knives Gone Out, Girl. Fugitive Clue. No, Fugitive was wrong. Oh, oh yeah. Clue, yeah. Unless Zodiac so is rated lower than Clue. Or unless uh, Fugitive is rated lower than Clue, but I don't see how that could be. So here's what I'll do. No, Clue uh, was right, because Clue was the last. We don't know that Clue was right. It could have been Gone Girl that was Oh, right. that's true. So here's a fun thing, though. I'll uh, Let's say you'll get three chances, but I'll also give each of you... No, no, no. Let's only have one. And again, this is what happens in game creation. But I will give you uh, one movie's Rotten Tomato score. If you want to take a guess at that, you can choose when to use that. Does that make sense? So you can choose when to be like, okay, or, or should we say two, two movies, Rotten Tomato scores, or does that start making it too easy? I think it becomes too easy at that point. Let's, yeah, okay. we can, at any point we can pull up the parachute and pick one movie and say, tell me that movie's number. I okay. know. I am confident. Well, not its number, just its Rotten Tomato score. Right. Yeah. That's I what am I meant. confident yeah. that Gone Girl is over an eight. Let's find out what Zodiac is. Okay. Yeah. What do you mean over an eight? I'm I'm not sure. Do you mean it's a percentage on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, sorry. I was thinking IMDb. That's my fault. Okay. What do you want to know? Zodiacs. Zodiac. Uh, Zodiac on Rotten Tomatoes received an 89%. Let's try. We got one more try. Let's try with Zodiac at the top and keep Clue at the bottom, yeah. but change the others in there. 
I don't, I don't see how the fugitive is, is above any of the other three. I like the fugitive a lot. I don't like unless knives out. I mean, knives out was polarizing. I only know one person who didn't like knives out. Hmm. We've had a lot of people actually write into the to to the show say, "Are you guys talking about Knives Out?" Because I didn't love that movie. To to reiterate, to the scores that the Rotten Tomato scores that we're looking at are the ones that critics gave. There are two Rotten Tomato okay. scores gotcha. on Rotten Tomatoes, score. but we're looking at the critics and not the include. Which normally that score is the one place. that's yeah that that's the score that people are sharing about you know on the trailer and stuff. If it says certified fresh, that's because it can only be certified by critics. Okay. Then then I would say. Zodiac, Gone Girl, Fugitive, Knives Out, Clue, Clue, yeah. Let's lock, lock that, that in. in. Uh, bong Bong, only one right, <laughs> four wrong. You have one more guess, but so you do know same, that we don't know if it's the same one that's right. You do know that Zodiac is eighty nine percent, so that's the only clarity that you have, and that you have gotten one correct the last two times. But we don't know if it's the same one both times, even though one stayed the same. Everything moved. It has to be. No clue stayed the same. Right. I'm saying, well, yeah, I guess that's true. If that was right, the we only could have one gotten right something, something except clue right the first time and something except clue right the second time. Let's not put clue at the bottom this time. Let's put the fugitive at the bottom this time. Wild. Wild. I, who knows? Who knows? I still think it's Gone Girl at the top then. If, the, if we're doing that, I think Gone Girl might... We, we bank on Gone Girl being the one we got right the first time. Okay. Gone Girl. Knives Out. Uh... Knives Out, Zodiac, Clue, Fugitive. Okay. Let's lock that in. Yeah, Bong Bong. Yeah, yeah. So you end the game. So this was your final lock-in. So this is the score you end with. You end the game getting one correct. We need to change the name <laughs> of this. Like it needs to not be... We need to not call these games because this is like this is like school where it's like it's not. Yeah. If you if you do a good job, nothing happens. And if you do a bad job, you know you're what? sad. So it's like school. You feel yeah. bad. Yeah. What ends up happening, though, is there is a certain realism that this brings to our podcast of like, hey, we ha- we're we technically movie experts, but we don't know anything. Um, I love so, that you so generously lump yourself in with that, because on the other side, sometimes it feels like here's Carter roasting his friends. <laughs> no, I would be I would have the same amount of hard time. I did know which one was the top and I would have guessed that, but I'll start from five I can tell to you one, right now okay? that I'm going to disagree with this list. If it's that different from what we've talked about, you don't, these you don't get to disagree with it though. It's not an opinion. No, I, I number definitely five. get to disagree with it. Number five clue was 65% yeah. on rotten tomatoes. So clue was the only right one. Next, next we take quite a leap because our next movie is an 87% on rotten tomatoes movie. Meaning that Mr. E is one of the most critically acclaimed series we've ever done. But Gone Girl is fourth. Gone Girl wow. had 87% Dude. on Rotten Tomatoes. Zodiac was your 89. That's the last one that you got correctly uh, in your last lock-in. 89% making it third. Second, The Fugitive has a 96% on Rotten gosh. Tomatoes. Knives Out beat it by 1%. Knives Out is the highest critically acclaimed movie from Rotten Tomatoes in this series, and it's our finale for the series at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, let me, I'll, tell you the, I'll tell you what, I'm actually not that mad at this list. They're just all yep. a lot higher and closer that's, together than I thought. Yeah, I think is. the top four, it kind of makes sense that there was so much trouble with it because the difference between number one and number four is 10%. Right. Yeah. So that's that's really tough. And they're all movies that I, I definitely would have thought were over 80%. This is, 
in my personal opinion. It's just the critics don't always this agree. This is the first time, this series is the first time in a little bit that I have been excited to start the series simply because I am pumped to watch every, like I haven't seen a lot of these in forever. And so I'm like pumped to rewatch so many of these. Yeah. Are any of these uh, films ones that you have never seen? Clue was for me. Other than that, there's Yeah, no, I've seen all of these. Okay. Yeah, seen all these too. So uh, to end this episode, uh, I would love to have your name. And I want you to tell me what the critic score is for Scoob <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. I'm Carter and I'm not going to tell you uh, <laughs> because I know. Fair enough. Um, but I think... What is your Carter score? What do you anticipate it giving it on the my Carter score on the Carter well, here's tomatoes? The thing. If Carter if Carter tomatoes had its own ranking, bad movies would be pretty right. high. So this is like, a hundo. Like it's not a hundo. This is probably the uh, Gone Girl equivalent of like a bad movie on the Carter scale. I, I bet this would be about an eighty-seven percent for me in terms of in. This is strictly enjoying because that's the only thing I'm expecting to do or not do in a movie right. like this. It's binary. No other itches. It's going to scratch. Yeah. I'm Doge. And in honor of the late, great Douglas Adams, late question mark, is he dead? Or is he like David Bowie? (laughs) Schrodinger's Bowie. (laughs) In honor of the late, great Douglas Adams, I believe Scooby-Doo is 42%. Hey, you're pretty close to what I was going to say because I'm Jordan and I was going to guess 46. It was 49%. Wow. So that means this movie is going to be better than you expected. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.